0: Welcome to Two Guys and a Bible: Conversational Theology, Culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and I'm joined, as always, with Dylan Keniston. How are you doing, Dylan? Two
1: guys and a Bible. Well, we got three today. We do. We got three today. Three guys and a Bible. This is a yeah. special <laughs> episode. Very, oh, yeah.
0: very ad hoc or oh, yeah. off the cuff. Extra ad hoc. Extra ad hoc. Sprinkle
1: so, some ad hoc on that that's ad hoc. Right. This
0: is an evening episode, <laughs> and we are joined. By none other than Dave Defazio. Hello, D- Dave?
2: D- 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 Dave Defazio. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need an intro too. Yeah, we gotta was get him a good. little intro.
1: That
0: was pretty good. Gotta <laughs> get some w-
2: intro music going for.
0: Warn me next time before you do that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll 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 we'll you. cut your mic off. So. No, <laughs> no but it. but uh, but but Dave, my, Dylan, and myself are here to talk about uh, an interesting topic: the topic of Islam. And this is a. Uh, uh, very uh actually just a very open conversation there's really very little preparation that we've done tonight we have no notes for this one yeah that's
1: no notes no that's prep that's what i meant to say we're just yeah we're just kind of sitting here hanging around eric's table yeah. and we're chopping it up and yeah. we're like this dave guy like he, yeah. he's he's got some thoughts on on islam and i'm like oh cool me too so yeah. let's well, chop it up well
0: first of all it's kind of it's a, it's a unique situation uh, Myself, as a, as a military member, I've, I've seen a certain side of, of Islam in my career. And, and Dylan, I know you have some interesting uh, mm-hmm. background that mm-hmm. maybe you can share later on as far as, uh, as, far as that goes. And then, Dave, uh, uh, doing your missionary work in the Philippines, you've had an opportunity to um, uh, speak the gospel yep. to Muslims and to engage in Muslim ministry. So uh, I think that's a unique perspective that we want to talk about uh this evening so where do we begin well i want to Uh, start so so
1: so dave so you you did some missionary work in the philippines how did that come about like before like how did you sense that the lord had called you to the mission field and how did it end up being the philippines and um just kind of the background on that
2: so when i first uh became a christian back in 1999 uh i was serving at a local church, and they had uh, asked us if we wanted to be involved with short-term mission trip. Mm. And so during that time, we had gone down to uh, Mexico, and Mm. we got involved with uh, just doing some child evangelism there. And I was working uh, doing swimming pools as my career back then. (laughs) And so while I was doing uh, this work building swimming pools, uh, a church that my grandfather was a part of out in Colorado had asked me, well, I know that you just went on a short-term mission trip. You enjoy uh, being able to share the gospel and you're comfortable with that. Our church wants to head out to Turkey to do hmm. a project uh, in uh, Cappadocia in year uh, and there's a place where they need work done with an irrigation pump. And so since I had a background with working on commercial pumps in the swimming pool business, um, I was a good fit. So you they know how the
1: Lord used that. That's yeah. so cool, right? I <laughs> love that. Saying. I yeah. love that.
2: So they brought us out to Turkey. I was there for it was supposed to be a three-week trip. After one month, completed it, fell in love with uh, just being able to minister at, to uh, Turkish children, mm. and thought that I was going to come back to the United States. Uh, pack up my belongings, head back to Turkey, mm-hmm. and start a motorcycle dealership in Cappadocia, <laughs> and do business. That would be so cool. <laughs> be very interesting. What a story! So I love it. So that's when uh, basically God began to light a fire in my heart for wanting to go cross culturally to share mm-hmm. the gospel.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, Man, that's awesome. That's so cool. So, so okay. So, did you end up starting this Harley Davidson dealership? No. That would have been cool. That would have been very cool. (laughs) But the Lord put the kibosh on that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so, so Turkey. So you ended up coming back and you were here for another couple of years and then eventually ended up in the Philippines. How did that come about?
2: Yeah. So I came back from Turkey, uh, June, 2004, August of 2004. Uh, this beautiful girl walked into my life, Sonia, Mm. and, uh, Mm. God kind of flipped my world upside down. And so at that point, then we got involved with local church ministry. Uh, we went up to Quakertown, and we were a part of uh, seeing a church planted up there. And then after several years and me being on staff with that church, I was offered a position to be a recruiter at the mission agency that is pretty much in Eric's backyard.
0: Not literally.
2: Almost. 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 It is pretty close. Yeah, almost. Yeah. 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 Which agency? It's with World Team. World Team, got it.
0: It's like half a mile down the road from here.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I started working they with- They need a bike shop. They do need a bike <laughs> shop. They do. So I started working with World Team, and I was recruiting other missionaries uh, to go to the field. And I went to local seminaries, um, local Bible colleges, and worked with local churches Uh, just to help people discern uh, whether or not they had a calling in their life to go to the mission field. Uh, Primarily, that was done with the local church. So after about six months of working with uh, other individuals and families, I began to be convicted myself and saying, you know, you're doing a wonderful job telling everyone else why (laughs) they need to uh, pack up all of their belongings, sell them, and go cross-culturally to the other ends of the earth. Um, why can't you? And so, uh, Mm. at that point I went home, uh, told my wife, I said, "Hun, I think maybe it's time for us to consider going to the mission field. And at that time she looked at me and said, absolutely not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Trying to think like how my wife would respond and that would be pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, okay. I got Mm. interested. So not to like take a tangent here, but honest question about that. So like, how did you discern that this okay, like this is legit, the Lord putting something in front of me, putting something on on my heart, and then that that call is being validated uh you know across the board because that's that's hard, right like if 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 the wife if your wife says like "Hey, honey, no we're not doing this I, I don't know like how did that play itself out for you in your case?
0: Yeah, so I flipped a coin <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I <laughs> laid, cast a lot. lots yeah I laid a fleece out. <laughs> Wet in the morning, yeah. and I was like, let's go. Okay. Well, the sprinkler was
0: on, that's why. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: the Lord works in
1: mysterious ways, <laughs>
2: <laughs> including through sprinklers. So when you look at Acts chapter 13, and you see the church of Antioch, mm-hmm. um, and you see uh, the elders of the church praying and fasting together with Paul and Barnabas, and the Holy Spirit separating Paul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry— Um, Sonia and I wanted that, um, that same process. Although I wouldn't say that that's prescriptive for every person to go through a process like that. I do think it's prescriptive for the church, the local church that the individual is a member at to direct and to send. And so for us, um, we wanted to, uh, come alongside of our church and have them help us discern through this process. Mm. And at that time we were with, uh, we were at Hilltown Mm. and uh, we were new members at Hilltown and world team has also an assessment process called race, which is a reciprocal assessment, Christian evaluation. And of um, course it is. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so uh, you go through, uh, a long process of uh, lots of questions, asking about uh, the health of your family, uh, what your um, your philosophy of ministry is, um, just all of these different things. Even looking at um, you know how you fit within your local church. Uh, are you already involved in doing evangelism and discipleship in the local church, or do you feel like you just want to do that? cross-culturally which doesn't normally work out so well so as we went through that process with our agency and our church hilltown baptist church uh together we were all able to discern that yes god was moving us in this direction amen
1: i just want to shout that out because i it's it's so clutch that we that we hear that and acknowledge that this is not just like one dude being like burning in the bosom i gotta go and honey you're you know what i mean this yeah. is like in concert with the family, and that call validated by trusted uh brothers in in the local church yeah, the elders and, yeah yeah and and then more and more than that, all the more going through this additional program that is even helping the local church to to vet out this this call and to say, hey, like let's apply wisdom here, like is this something that is going to be?" Um, you know, God honoring, uh, not only in terms of, you know, for the people group that you would go to serve and sharing the gospel, but even to your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I just am, I'm grateful to, to the Lord for, um, you know, for programs like that, but then also for how the local church kind of steps up and then validates that call. I think that's huge. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I know that we could cover so much about between then and, and your, and the years that you spent there. Um, but you, Obviously, world team worked with you, and, and you guys ended up going to the, the Philippines yep. as far as uh, your mission field. And I had the, the honor to be able to come out there with my family and, and visit you guys, which was a blessing. Yeah, It was, was awesome. Sure. And I got to see firsthand uh, you talking to uh, many of the Muslims that, that, that live there. And even though the Philippines are, I guess, technically a Catholic country— Right?
2: Yeah, it's about 84% Catholic.
1: Yeah, but there's a significant Muslim population there. Well, hold on. Is that, like, Catholic Catholic, or is it, like, kind of name-only Catholic?
2: No, it's um, it's a very secretistic... Uh, catholicism but it's still for them it's very much catholic catholic from uh from our perspective as we view it it would be very much like what you would see in south america or central america okay Okay.
1: got it because i remember so i i did a a short missionary stint in indonesia
2: and in indonesia um
1: there there were small pockets of what they called christian communities but they weren't they, you know, it's like they were just as secular as any other, you know what I mean? Sure. It, it really was just, mm-hmm. you know, m- the Muslim population and then what they called the Christian population was really just sec- secular. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So how did you guess, I guess, uh, you know, begin that conversation with, uh, with the Muslims in that area and, uh, and how did it grow from there?
2: Yeah, so when we headed out to the Philippines, our desire was to um, go to the least reached in the Philippines to share the gospel, mm-hmm. and God happened to place us in Metro Manila, which is probably one of the most reached areas with the gospel, and so we, as we went through language school, um, we said, God, why are we here, and what's the purpose of of us being in this area, when there are other places in the Philippines mm-hmm. that are far more uh, less reached than here, and during that time, uh, war broke out in Morawi, and that is in southern Philippines, mm-hmm. in the main island of Mindanao, mm-hmm. and uh, Mindanao is primarily uh, it's a Islamic uh, island nation uh, almost unto itself. They mm-hmm. want ISIS came in and wanted to separate itself and create an Islamic state uh, in Mindanao and separate itself from the rest. U- ultimately, they'd like to conquer again most of the Philippines. Wow. Um, so, but during this war that broke out in Marawi back in 2016 and to the beginning of 2017, uh, millions of Muslims uh, as the city uh, came under fire uh, millions of Muslims were having to flee Marawi, and where did they go? They came right into our backyard. And mm-hmm. so as we were praying and saying, God, why are we here? We want to be reaching the least reached. God was like, I got this. Oh, <laughs>
1: prayer answered. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> and so uh, we wound up, it, there was about 250,000 Maranau people that came into Antipolo in the area that we lived. And so, as while we were finishing up language school, we had been doing work in a squatter community. Um, while that was happening, I started watching our local wet market where we buy our fruits, vegetables, and butchered meats. Uh, I started watching that market transform. And w- once there were uh, indigenous farmers, Uh, that would have been more animistic. Now I started seeing Maranau people uh, and you could identify them by their dress. Uh, So Mm. they wore bright colored garments. The women always had their heads covered. Um, Lots of gold jewelry, uh, like gold bracelets and uh, they started s- selling things that were different than what the normal vendors were selling there. Instead of fruits and vegetables, electronics started replacing the fruits and vegetable stands. Mm, they probably um, don't taste very good. No, not so not yeah. so good. Mm, <laughs> HDMI
1: HDMI. <They're> extra crunchy.
2: <laughs> so as we were there... Uh, Going to the market uh, every week, I started connecting with a lot of the Marinelle people. Now, and-
0: what helped you to connect? I mean, right now you're sitting in front of me and you're a very uh, large man. And I mean that in a very respectful way. And and bald and and your and wow. your complexion I'm is wow. I'm
2: large and bald. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: but hold on. But he's being respectful. Very respectful. With all due respect, you can say whatever you want after you say with all due respect. It's in the Geneva Conventions. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and then and bearded, and uh, and you know so, over
2: my double chin.
0: Uh, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> Foot meat mouth. <laughs> but so I mean, in a way, you know, you uh, you look like you could be uh, Muslim.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: impression
2: a lot. Absolutely. So when I would go over to the market, uh, many of the Muslim men would come up to me and they would ask if I was Muslim Uh, and they mainly thought that I was Jordanian because I guess Jordanians are tall and uh, usually large beards and the Filipino men Um, they could spend a 100 years trying to grow a beard, and they would look like Eric. (laughs)
0: That's true. That's very true.
2: (laughs) So it it was a great way to kind of just break the ice and be able to not... I didn't even have to come up with some special strategy to connect with them. They were coming up to me and wanting to directly connect mm-hmm. and one of the first questions they would ask is do you know Arabic we want <laughs> we would love to learn Arabic that's so interesting wow so
1: well like so one of the things that trips me up about that not like in a bad way but just it's wild to me is that like in in these other parts of the world uh and in particular in like muslim dominated countries like we think in the west and just how secularized we are about like what do you not talk about right politics and religion stuff like that like it's just not, like, that's, like, typical, I'll walk up to a stranger, like, in your case, be like, hey, man, are you a Muslim? Like, that's just, that's so, Yeah, I actually think that's cool, right? Yeah, I think absolutely. that that's something that mm. we, I, I would just love to see, like, you know, Lord haste the day, but something recaptured in our culture. where It's like, it's okay to talk about these, these topics that are, like, really substantive more than just, like, the weather. I mean, I love sports, but, like, you're only going to talk about that for so long before like you know these eternal issues just really are impactful and are taken very very uh, seriously across many many other parts of the world and it's just like part of their it's part of the air that they breathe
2: yeah 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 I'm living here in the united states um we are very accustomed to diversity mm-hmm. so we see our neighbors all around us and we see people from every different nation in in the world, uh, gathered all around us here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we start taking that for granted. So we, when you are in a country like the Philippines, uh, you know, 95% of the people there are Filipino. And so when you come in and you look different they want to watch you. They want to understand more about your culture. They want to learn what you listen to, what you read, what you look at, what the sayings, uh, they want to learn funny English phrases. Mm -hmm. So, uh, immediately you're kind of under a spotlight and they Mm -hmm. want to engage with you. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a cool opportunity to be able to share the gospel. And that's why a lot of people, um, Oftentimes they want to go to the mission field because maybe they've been on a short-term trip mm-hmm. and they've seen how responsive people are to the gospel in other countries as opposed to here, opposed to here. Yeah. where yeah. there's somewhat of a, a... there's Not somewhat, there are definitely large walls mm-hmm. up living in uh, this highly secularized culture that we're in here. Yeah. yeah.
0: When when you do uh, have those conversations with the, with, with the Muslims in, in the Philippines, how do you... How do you go about that? Like, wh- where do you proceed? What is your technique or tactic as far as, okay, the conversation is beginning now. Where do we go from here?
2: Well, I think Dylan had said it earlier. Um, you know, Muslim individuals, uh, the the the, re- the religion of Islam is it's a, it's a worldview in itself, um, much like Christianity. Christianity presents a worldview. Mm-hmm. Not all religions present. A com- like a, a large, complete worldview, mm. but Islam impacts all areas of life. And so they are always looking at everything through the lens of, of Islam, and they want to understand and, and see it from their perspective, but also have you see it from their perspective. So mm. uh, one of the first things that they'll often engage me with is, um, do you have more than one wife? Hmm. And so, uh, oftentimes, uh, this is what's your answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) That Sonia is more than enough for me. (laughs) Um, so oftentimes this is a a wonderful bridge to beginning to share the gospel. And I say beginning to share the gospel because with sharing the gospel to Muslims takes patience. Hmm. Um, oftentimes we, uh, feel like we have to quickly present the whole gospel in one sitting, where I have found in my time with spending with uh, Muslims at the market, it's a it's a it's a process of slowly building relationship and beginning to unfold the complete redemptive meta story of all of Scripture to them, and so when you begin with here is a question about uh, do you have more than one wife. And say, well, do you have have you ever heard of Adam and Eve? And you take them back to creation mm-hmm. and the creation story, and then you begin to unfold it. And while you're doing that, you're constantly pointing them back towards Christ.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's what Jesus did, right? When he was asked that, he, what did he say? Right in the beginning, it was not so. Right.
0: So, so you mentioned Adam and Eve. So that the question I want to ask then is: Is that an area of overlap that they would be familiar with? Like, what other areas of overlap? That you find very helpful in your conversations with with Muslims.
2: Yeah, so the creation story, the prophets, um, much of that it's more by names that they're familiar with. Okay. Um, most of them are not familiar with any of the stories that are within that are inside the Quran. Um, most Muslims. Hmm memorize the Quran and recite the Arabic but have no understanding of what they're saying Mm. because Islam is all about orthopraxy it's not about orthodoxy so for Mm. them it's about saying and doing but not necessarily about understanding and so it's a it's a process of them submitting and so for them they will memorize uh different things that are in the Quran uh so the quran has surat which is all the different chapters through yeah. the quran and so their their hope is to memorize as much of that and recite it through their uh through their prayers or through their song and so in arabic in arabic but they know they know this the names so okay. if i say adam if i say abraham uh if i say these names they 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 know it and mm. they say oh i believe in that i i I believe in moist, it's, it's there. I understand it. Mm. But uh, if you then begin to explain to them what the Bible teaches through it, they don't know what the Quran says oh. opposite to it. So they'll just keep rolling with it, <laughs> um, which is a, yeah. which is a great thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, now, if you get into areas that wind up contradicting their beliefs, mm. um, like discussing Jesus being the son of God, uh, these are areas that, if you jump right into that, oftentimes then they quickly put up a wall and will immediately push back. So that's why it's so important to go through the whole meta story of scripture.
0: Now, why specifically is it the divinity of Christ that that brings that wall up, and what other things will raise their defenses pretty quickly?
2: Because the Quran explicitly teaches that Allah has no son, and so. Mm. Uh, I think, again, this is off the top of my head, but I think it's in Surah 4. Uh, It's specific. It's very explicit. that says that Allah does not have a son. And um, and so with that, uh, like even going into a gospel presentation, uh, many people that want to share the gospel, if they're just going to go into one of the four gospels, Mm Oftentimes, we'll go into uh, the Gospel of Luke, hmm. which expresses the humanity of Christ um, as they're going through it, whereas, like, the book of Mark opens up right in the beginning with yeah, Jesus the Christ, of, the Son of son God. Of God yeah. right. <laughs> right in there. <laughs> right. And so it I in no way would say that uh, someone who is evangelizing a Muslim should refrain from moving a Muslim towards right. the understanding right. that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and to give them a true Trinitarian view of that. Mm. But what I am saying is, it has to be done through patience. Yeah, <laughs> and so, mm. um, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a process, mm-hmm. and there are things that as you walk through scriptures, like even looking uh, in many of the I am scriptures, like in John six, John eight, John fifteen, even through Revelation, uh, these I am scriptures are are wonderful to. Kind of open up deeper dialogue through this, um, but oftentimes with Muslims, they are, their worldview uh, they are looking at things through uh, a shame honor concept, um, and they are also looking at things from the perspective of clean unclean, mm. and um, so it almost be like discussing something with a with with a Jew, mm. um, and so jumping into these topics right off the bat that are already highly um, controversial and they have already been trained by their imams to... Remember, these Filipinos are living in a country that's 84% Catholic. Mm. Uh, Mm. These imams are preparing them uh, to counter these debates about Jesus Christ being the Son of God. Mm. Uh, So to jump right in there, uh, it would only usually break down the relationship instead of taking time to go through all of it to get to that yeah so so my,
1: my experience has been that and and i hear this this is i don't know the stats on this but this so this is just hearsay but like it tends to be that muslims are much they tend to be better informed about what christians believe and better prepared to respond to Christian beliefs, then Christians know about Muslim beliefs and are prepared to respond to Muslim articulations of their mm-hmm. of their views. Um, have have you? I that to, sense be true? to me.
0: I mean, it seems like I mean, most Americans don't really.
1: Yeah. Seem to. Well, but I mean, even even Christians. Like, oh, even Christians. Like yeah. I, I just feel like like a lot of Muslims um, <clears throat> are are at least aware of some christian teachings and have some of that like there's some overlap in in individuals who are discussed in the quran Mm. and and in christianity we don't necessarily have this notion of you know continuing revelation after at least scripturally i think we can all agree um after the canon right so Mm. like when when we're look, we're like no that's that's it so we don't kind of go and and read beyond into you know what is it 600 some odd years later Mm -hmm. the quran comes on the scene you know, maybe in disparate parts, and then eventually gets compiled. That'll be another, you know, maybe fun yeah. way down the road. But, I don't know if they believe that. Well, we can we can come down back to that one. Some, some, yeah. All all that fun text criticism gets pointed towards Islam, and it becomes a much more delicate conversation. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, all that just to say, like it's it's harder. Uh, I feel like for for Christians who tend to be a little bit less familiar with, um, especially I guess Christians in the West. Like we're we're constantly worrying about secularization. And, you know, the new atheist, like in, in my mind, and this is might be too bold to say, but in my mind, like atheism is, is dead. It's intellectually dead. It's, it's bankrupt. Mm. Right. I think part of the reason why, um, Islam is compelling to many, I say like for me, I haven't shared this like publicly mm. or haven't gotten into my story at all. One of the reasons Islam was compelling for me was because of what you mentioned earlier. Like it presents a, a, a theistic and a worldview that really tries to get at many of the same kinds of, uh, answers that, that Christianity, uh, does get to in kind of in a counterfeit sense, uh, that Islam tries to get to in a counterfeit sense. So it's, I I don't know, it's, I, you know, every now and then you see these, these, you know, I don't know, I was reading a CNN blog I stumbled upon the other day where it's like, you know, Islam is the answer for the West. Right. You know, that's, that's just not uncommon to, to hear that articulated. Wow. So anyway. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, I wonder if also for Christians, it might be in Americans as well, a fear issue. Yeah. I mean, you can't ignore that aspect of it. And I, you know, I see that a lot as well, but certainly uh, a lot of folks, when they think of Islam or they hear about Muslims, they immediately are, are drawn to or, or they perceive the idea of the extremist terrorist, right? right? Which, I mean, I, I know that's a minority. The, not the, yeah. the the vast majority of Muslims are not uh, engaged in violent extremism yeah, or any no. terrorist attacks or anything like yeah. that. So, but do you think that's a a factor that's um, preventing uh, Christians from wanting to reach out or, or or try to learn more?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. even when I've had people that have visited us in the Philippines and I've taken them to the wet market with me. Uh, there's a a high level of fear that uh, as they get closer to the market and they have to say hello to the first Muslim person that they're uh, coming encounter with, there's a a great deal of fear. And a lot of that is based on the things that they have seen through uh, the media and also through uh, just a lot of the things that we as a church have presented also. Mm. Um, And so I think that uh Many of the Muslims that I've come in contact with, whether I, I've traveled in Syria, I've been in Turkey, I have been uh, I've met Muslims in Cambodia mm. I, in all of these different areas I would say the majority of them know very little about their faith. Many of them are uh, very animistic in their way it's very superstitious mm. um, they have, uh, high levels of fear of uh, their ancestors that have passed away in the past. Uh, so uh, many of them don't reflect the view that we might think of Muslims being in uh, a mosque uh, weekly. Many of them are not even attending mosque, even though that's uh, one of the five pillars that mm-hmm. they are supposed to be mm-hmm. uh, in weekly prayer. Um Many of them just are not doing that. Many of them are just culturally Muslim, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so you get a, a lot of cultural Christians. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they were born Muslim and they were given a Muslim name and uh, they can call themselves Muslim, but if you ask them to articulate anything about their faith, they really couldn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's interesting. So I guess that that leads then to discussion of. Um, I don't know you mentioned the one of the pillars of islam so what 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 is what does islam teach like what what is it all about essentially I mean do you have some thoughts you know, on that Dylan that you'd want to share perhaps or i mean your own experience as well as you maybe were were thinking about islam um
1: yeah i mean so i mean just my own my own experience I remember there was a period of time in my life when I was in college um you know i i my own uh, Christianity was f- for many, many, many years in my own life, just name only. Right. I also was like just cultural Christian. I was not saved. Um, so, you know, I think during that time though, I always found Christianity to be like, I identified as a Christian. I was kind of found Christianity to be like this interesting, you know, philosophical pursuit, right? It was just this intellectual thing, but it didn't change how I lived. So anyway, this is d- kind of during this period of my life. Um, and even shortly after I became a Christian, like, I remember watching online debates with, you know, between Christians and Muslims and just hearing the Muslim case just trotted out so like well and articulately and confidently and Christian debaters just being like, uh, I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Right. Like it, and it was happening like over and over and over. And they were like, here's like stuff like in your own Bible that like is, is contradicting itself. Like, what do you do with this? And just like, they just did not have an answer. So I was like, man, like how do how do I reconcile this? So there was a period in my life where I came very very close to converting to being a Muslim. Mm. Um, hmm. so, so praise God, the Lord saved me from that, and ultimately He saved me through that from uh, the the dad of a friend of mine who I had known for many many years. Um, I was like this close to converting, and I called him up, and he talked me kind of back from some of, some of that. So hmm. I'm grateful to the Lord eternally for this man. Um, but anyway, yeah, so. It, it just, it was, it was, I did, I wasn't quite sure what to do with Islam. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just like from a worldview perspective. Um, and, and I've, I guess ever since then, I continue to be fascinated by Islam as, as a religion, as a faith. And in particular, like coming out of Westmin, like I, I felt like, um, the Westminster kind of, Westminster, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Westminster seminary. So I feel like the, the reformed and presuppositional apologetic had, had was very, very strong at kind of like just deconstructing secularism, atheism, just like, that was very, very uh, robust. Mm -hmm. But what do you do with a faith that also claims to be presuppositional? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So like that was, I, that was something that kind of piqued curiosity for me as well. Um, So I I hope if, I mean, if the Lord provides and opens the doors at some point, I do still have hopes and dreams of doing a PhD in, (laughs) in, islam and in particular i'm interested in you know at the time when many of the reformers were writing um you know you had the ottoman empire kind of knocking down the doors Mm -hmm. of of the western world at that time and and it's astonishing how many of our quote-unquote heroes of the reformed faith were writing about islam like Like martin Luther. luther martin luther wrote a ton about islam calvin wrote a ton about islam jonathan edwards wrote a ton about islam but like that I, I just feel like there's a gap in our scholarship right now where there's like so much of these untapped resources and untapped mm. wisdom in, in some of the quote unquote heroes of the Reformed faith who were engaging Islam mm. that just gets you know, there's just not a whole lot written about that. So, yeah. I you know, if the Lord provides, I would like to turn studies to that formally at some point in my life, but man, that's yeah, that's,
0: that's that, that'd be neat to see what comes of that. Yeah, if
1: you were to, I got some papers, like, I got a whole, yeah. I did this whole paper on uh. Uh, when i was when i was in school on uh, jonathan edwards and islam there's a really great book My, I, one, I forget the author's name it's gonna bug me now i think his first name is adam the book was published by brill uh press mm-hmm. so it's like if you tried to buy the book it'd be like 140 they're all expensive they're all yeah, expensive it's like a legit like scholarship book yeah um, but anyway the, the guy's book you, you could get it at uh, there's a lutheran seminary right in philly mm. um, super easy to go in, into their library and check out the book that's how i did it But um, Adam Francisco, I want to say his Mm -hmm. name. I could be I could be blanking on that. Okay. anyway, definitely pick it up. Fantastic book. And because he does for Luther, like, uh, you know, just what I was talking about, where he really is unpacking kind of what Luther had written about Islam and about Muhammad and Mm -hmm. about the Muslims that he was he and Christians that like he was pastoring and he was counseling. Like, okay, if you come across a Muslim, here's. What to expect, and here's how to engage, and here's how not to. It was just really interesting stuff. So some work has been done along those lines. I think uh, I
0: found it actually. It is enough. Adam uh, Francisco, and it seems like uh, Martin returned Islam, a study in 16th century polemics and apologetics. I could
1: not put that book down. Hmm. Yeah. I couldn't put it down. Highly recommended.
0: Yeah. $167. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Winning. It's Brill. Cha-ching. It's Brill. Yeah, yeah. that's why. But like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> shout out to Brill. <laughs> Way to go, Brill. Yeah. <laughs> Brill's crushing it. But, like, but but if but if um if this is a, mm. a topic of interest for you out there, if you're hearing this, like definitely I I would highly recommend that book. There's a lot of great essays out there, too. Um mm. I don't I don't I don't know that Zwingli wrote a whole lot about Islam, but Bullinger wrote like a whole what he to like, died too early. He died too early, but yeah. b- but his, but but Bullinger wrote a whole bunch of stuff about Islam. Yeah. Um, so anyway, no,
0: no. But from my perspective, as a as a someone who served in the in the military, so we see a different. I mean, we obviously get exposed to what Islam teaches, although more and most of the time it is the uh, extreme form of Islam. But what I do know, though, is that as far as like uh, the five pillars go, um, so from what I understand, it's, a, it's essentially a works based. Faith, where you have to do certain things yeah. in order to get right with God. Essentially, yeah. I mean, they believe in one God, like like kind of like we do. Like they would call him the God of Abraham as well, um, who created the world. And uh, but uh, the five pillars of Islam involve uh, saying the creed, which is the Shahada oh. in Arabic. I, I believe you have to say it in Arabic.
1: Yeah. Uh, for it to count, the divine tongue,
0: the divine tongue, and then the prayers, oh. which you mentioned, Dave. And then the giving of alms, fasting during Ramadan would be the fourth one, and then the pilgrimage to Mecca, which is supposed to be done at least once in their lifetime. And so of I don't course, know that,
1: like, yeah. I, you just mentioned, like, mm-hmm. and, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, and, mm-hmm. and Eric but, like, I don't think that Muslims would think of islam as a workspace religion no and that's true like i i I would be comfortable articulating that way because i i think it is at the end of the day at the end of the day but i don't know that that's how they themselves think about Mm -hmm. it which is just interesting to like you know oh yeah we believe in grace and then kind of peel back that onion a little bit Mm -hmm. and kind of see what they mean by that it's like yeah anyway Yeah. yeah
2: i mean the meaning of islam in itself is submission submission and so for them uh it's Purely about submitting themselves to the will of Allah, and so for them, uh, they feel very much that it's their faith in Allah that allows them to submit themselves to Him. Hmm. Um, but and that's why when they uh, recite uh, their faith in the shada, that's a that's a them going and confirming that this is our faith.
0: But my question then is, um, so how do they view? Like their relationship to God, do they view themselves as sinners that need to be forgiven of of sin?
2: No, no, no. no, they
0: there's, no they don't. there's no atonement.
2: In
0: that. Well, Sink but but is there? The but, is there s- but I mean, they would they believe that they are breaking, they're violating God's law. They would they, sure. they, they that they've sinned, right? Sure. They yes, believe, but yeah, yeah. but
2: see, they believe that everyone born on this planet and ha- that has ever been born on this planet uh-huh. was born Muslim.
1: Yeah. Really? Yep. So if you're if you are hmm. a, a Muslim, you you it's like a self discovery. Going back to the roots. It's going like, back to the way yeah. it was. Yeah, it's like it's like I heard one Imam put it, like I did not become a Muslim. I realized I was a Muslim. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Right. So where does
0: So it's sin, less about
2: atonement yeah. and more about revelatory, like yeah. it, like experiential? Okay. And it's uh it, it can be also quite dark. I mean, the yeah. process of conversion can be quite dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But what, so what about the issue of sin, though? When they make a mistake, when they do something
1: wrong, how do they deal with that or handle that? How does God— You try harder. That's jihad is the, is the spiritual struggle, right? Okay. You kind of struggle mm-hmm. against that, uh, that impulse to, to sin, Right, yeah. um, but it's but it's like if you if you do well, you know God remembers that we're dust and you tr- dust it off and try to do better next time. Mm-hmm. You struggle against that. Yeah, um, but here's the question then of and a lot of times yeah. it's it's the fault of society. It's the fault of the West, mm-hmm. right? Because the West comes in as the temptress to rob Islam of its vitality mm-hmm. through its Western secularization and culture. And culture. Yeah, exactly. So it's the West's fault ultimately. So if you have a Muslim, uh, let's say. A Muslim individual who acts in a manner that other Muslims might say, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. At the end of the day, there's this kind of, like, almost like an excusing of it because it's like, well, you know, but this is your environment, this is where you're at, and you're trying your best, and you try harder next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just move mm-hmm. on. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I want to make sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: But what about then, how would they get to heaven, so to speak? Like, how... That's that what I mean by, play? When,
1: when they say like God's gray, when we were talking about like, is it a workspace religion or like a grace-based religion, what they would say, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but is like, if you, let's say you do your, your orthopraxy through and through all the five pillars, all, you do not have assurance, yeah. right? Like at the end of the day, God just forgives. Like it, you don't need atonement. You don't need Christ to die on the cross and be raised from the dead because why do you need that? God just forgives, right? That's, is, that's yeah. enough. There's hmm. no like there's no there's no legal sense of what we would call justification. Yeah. It's just like God just forgives. So them. his law remains broken then. Well, yes, but I don't think that they would are I don't know that they think about God's in law that way. in that way. Yeah, I got They
2: also good. have the view of their being ultimately in judgment a scale that weighs out oh. their evil deeds in Comparison to their good deeds, oh. um, but if you would ask them, have you kept record of your good <laughs> deeds in comparison to your your bad deeds? They would say, "No, I, I've kept no record of that." So, and um, part of
1: that, I think that that point right there, I think part of that ties back to one of the hadith where um, Muhammad allegedly says to some of his followers, um, "You know, none of your good deeds will get you into heaven," and they said back to Muhammad even yours o messenger of god mm, and right. he says even mine right. my good deeds will not so that, again mm. that's what they like they would not think of it as a, as a as a workspace religion even though like here i would say at the end of the day when you when you push that envelope and you see what's under the hood of that that's eventually what it becomes which is why like so many muslims are going to think of like in in terms of scales and in terms of balance because there is such a focus heavy heavy focus on orthopraxy, right. it's just about submission. Hmm. That's all. It is. It's and if you try to understand and you ask like hard questions or tricky questions, you are not being a good Muslim. Yeah. and you could be like ostracized from your from your family or from your spiritual community for hmm. like asking hard questions because your job is not to understand. Your job is to obey and your to job submit. Is to submit, and obey, and, and that's it. Right? Wow. Like, hmm.
2: right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also done under the context of shame and honor. Yeah, so yeah. Mm. so to ask these questions and to bring shame upon an imam or mm. upon right. a parent or someone who's in authority uh, dishonors that relationship and breaks it apart, and there's consequence for that in order to save face for the person in authority. Yeah. So ultimately, that's why there is so much conflict within the Middle East is because much of it is, is fueled by saving face and being dishonored. And so when certain things are challenged, they have to challenge even harder just right. to save face.
1: Mm. You don't have like this thread of like forg- of forgiveness in like the Christian tradition and ultimately what kind of unfolds in the way. I mean, the West is all kinds of other problems. Yeah. You know? I mean, and we, we do have this problem too, and it, but, but it's not, I, I, we have, we have, you know, school shootings, we have bombings, we have all kinds of stuff. Um, we, we don't have too much in the way of honor killings right, right. Like, and, and, there's, yeah. and there's reason for that so it, it's just it's a slightly different worldview heritage mm. um, that kind of trickles down in in terms of like you know forgiveness over against retribution even though again that, that we are nowhere we are far from perfect on that front
0: yeah now one thing I, I've heard and maybe you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding that a lot of the appeal, to engage in violence and and acts of, you know, literal jihad warfare. Um, I've heard it said that one of the reasons why that's so prevalent in Islam is that uh, to die in jihad is gives you the best chance mm-hmm. that you could be right with God, go to heaven, and, and enjoy paradise. I mean, it's still no guarantee, but like if you were to die in jihad, it is almost a near guarantee. And that's, I mean, if that's true, that seems very appealing Mm. to a person who doesn't know where they're going. Sure. Is that a fair assessment?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would, with you, it would be more based upon what I've heard. uh, But I've never had those conversations with a jihadist. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, probably
1: best, (laughs) Dave.
2: But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been what I've I've have heard
1: okay so like like my understanding on that is there's there's some muslims who are more secularized and and yes. theologically liberal and yes. more you know easygoing they live in the west mostly yeah well and even in places like the philippines like even in muslim countries like there are whole groups in the pop but i think even in those cases they're like impacted by the west right yes, or like yes, yeah. yeah but so so totally but um then there's there are also um Theologically orthodox Muslims. I, I want to be careful with that language. Is not a, a lot. What does that mean? A lot of people. Because then shi- you get we, that. We're not going to get into that. Yeah. Um, but you have put it this way. You have you have other Muslims who who like actually believe the whole thing top to bottom. You know, including Quran, including mm-hmm. the Hadith, include like including Sharia, the whole the whole nine. And right? to give
0: some clarity, the the, the Hadith are the are the are the, are the words and actions the stories of Muhammad himself? Correct. The Quran is what he received allegedly. Correct. From heaven and then Sharia is the Sharia is, is the is the law is the
1: administration of the law. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. Just for the, our yeah. listeners' sake. Well, there. no, no, it's good. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, but but like I you know so you have some Muslims on you know kind of one side of the aisle and another you know other more uh, you know other Muslims on the other side of the aisle, and it it really is interesting to talk with. So I, I have not, I, what, you know, when we say like, I know, probably not best that we talk, haven't talked to a jihadist, but like, yeah. I, I have talked to like Muslims who really do take their whole faith top to bottom seriously. Mm-hmm. And it really is interesting that they, they have a place, like, look, this is how Muhammad did it. Like they, they have a place for, for, for violence under certain conditions mm. and they'll, they'll, They'll draw that line in different places. So, for example, they might Mm. say, well, if you are um, ultimately Islam is going to take over the world, Mm -hmm. right? So, if if you are post
2: millennial in that regard, (laughs) preterist, yeah,
1: (laughs) but so, like, if you're in a part of the world that is, um, so there's the house of peace and the house of war, Mm. right? Muslim countries that are ruled by Sharia is the house of peace, those that are not is the house of war. So, if you live in the house of war, then you have certain tactics at your disposal that might not be at your disposal if you were living in different conditions mm. right so in the quran for example there are certain places where you we would read in surahs that say when you come across jews and muslims you know make friends with them that's okay there's other places that say kill them right mm. so now how do you strike, know the, their neck. strike their neck how do you know the difference so what a muslim would say is well it depends on your 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 context are you in the house of peace are you in the house of war are you in a are you the, are you being oppressed or somehow robbed of your natural right as a Muslim to have some kind of social capital or power? Then you have tools at your disposal to, to, to remedy that that you might not have mm. if you were in a, a Muslim-dominated nation where Sharia, Sharia law yeah. was, was fully in place. Um, so, But again, not every Muslim would say that, right? Which is where it gets tricky. Mm. Um, but, but, I, I, but yeah, I've definitely talked to Muslims who hold very, very... Yeah. Um, you know, theologically con- um, conservative views on, on that. Yeah,
0: and I've also heard that some argue that even though they would agree with the, uh, the possibility of physical jihad or war, but that there's no caliphate, there's no caliph anymore. Yeah. And if there was one, only he could declare or initiate jihad. Yeah. And so that, there seems to me, maybe that's one of the reasons why the Islamic State and tries right, and to tried yeah. to establish itself as a caliphate, caliphate yeah. with, with Abu Bakr, mm-hmm. right? No, Al Baghdadi, sorry, Al Baghdadi <laughs> as, the, as the caliph yeah. um, there to give themselves authority, I suppose, yeah. and to try to unite all Muslims under their reign and rule to have that power, right. essentially. Right. So uh, now this is interesting stuff. So we're, we're already at 50 minutes coming towards the end of our time, but let's, we've covered a lot of things here. But now for our Christian listeners, uh, uh, men and women, um, you know, uh, what do you, tips, tips, techniques, recommendations, uh, things for us to consider uh, on, on on as we as we try to evangelize uh, the, the Muslim people? Uh, thoughts well, there?
2: Dylan had recommended mm-hmm. that book. I want to. Pitch something for many of the audio listeners, which... It's
0: cheaper. uh, Yeah. Not a $170 book. Uh,
2: Download the RTS app, which is the Reformed Theological Seminary app. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Anderson uh, has a whole series on Mm -hmm. Islam on it, and it's phenomenal. And he breaks down uh, probably... There's probably about 25 different sessions uh, with him going through lectures on... uh, everything from, uh, what is Islam to what is the Quran textual criticism, Mm. uh, how, uh, what happened during the reformation, uh, how, uh, did reformers interact with, uh, Muslims, uh, how we can evangelize Muslims. It goes through everything. It goes through major obstacles within Islam, um, because this is something that, uh, Many of you, the listeners, are going to be kind of conflicted by is um, oftentimes when we think about evangelizing Muslims, sharing the gospel with them, uh, there is a pressure to do something called uh, contextualization, high contextualization. Um, so, Can you explain that a little bit more? So, yeah. yeah so within uh, the the world of uh, missions and going into cross-cultural settings, uh, there's what they call a C-scale.
1: Yep. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's really
2: important. This is important. Yeah. Um, and so the C-scale, uh, I would say for me being a cross-cultural worker, I'm pretty comfortable working up to C-3. Dude,
1: that's where I land too. My man. You guys became best friends. Fist pounded Dave right here. That's where I land too. I don't understand at all what you're talking about.
0: C2, C. It's just like how like how deeply will you
1: how how deeply will you contextualize what it is you're trying to articulate when you go? So C one, C
2: one, I'll do it real basic. So C one is I go over to uh, my Muslim neighbors in Antipolo and C one, I'm wearing my shirt and tie, I'm sporting my Uh, King James Version Bible and uh, I've got my Bob Jones parted hair over to the side and I'm walking up to this Muslim and I'm speaking English to him and I'm trying to share the gospel in English to him and I'm hoping to bring him into my English speaking church uh, that is singing uh, English hymns and, uh, and that's what C1 is. C2 is... I'm probably still dressing a lot of the, the, that same way, but I've learned their language. So I'm coming to them and I'm going to share, but I'm doing it in their language. Um, C3 is I am doing some cultural changes. Maybe I'm dressing similar to them as long as my dress does not reflect something that is part of their religious worship. So uh, you'd be deceiving them. Right. I, I don't desire to deceive them. Okay. I'm just being, uh, I'm just basically honoring the country that I'm in, the culture, yeah. the culture that mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. in. Um, but in no way am I partaking in anything that reflects worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that becomes difficult. And like we said, Uh, With Islam, this is a worldview, so everything is all encompassing and it all points back to worship. Uh, So, the C4 would be going in, and you're now going to be uh, doing certain things that are part of their worship but isn't explicitly forbidden within scripture. So, uh, like maybe eating halal, uh, foregoing eating pork. Uh, so I'm now dressing like them, I'm speaking their language, I'm sharing the gospel, um, And but now as I am uh, evangelizing them, I'm, I'm being a little bit more sensitive to areas of their worship, maybe even taking my shoes off uh, when we uh, read scripture together, yeah. uh, being even open to doing uh, like a, a ritual washing before we pray together um th- these are areas where as a missionary uh, i don't go this far <laughs>
1: well even and i think it's important mm-hmm. to say because you would like have paul who's like yeah i'm not going to eat this meat if it's going to make somebody like so but but i think the important part here we like once we kind of start getting into c4 c5 territory i feel like doing all of those things is in deference to their religion it's in deference to their worldview as opposed to just saying Okay, well, you know, if I if I eat this type of meat, I could call it might offend them. So I'm not going to eat that type of like that's not the issue. Once you start getting into like higher C categories, we are starting to um, defer to another religion in such a way that is um, it is it is beginning to compromise. It's Paul. I I think in Paul and first Corinthians, we see a flexibility of. The messenger, and not of the message.
0: But in Galatians, no flexibility with regards to the gospel. Well, yeah, right. well, it, it, yeah. Right. We at at so no the, point the Judaizers. Yeah, exactly.
1: Dealing. No flexibility in terms of the of the gospel itself. And I think we start, you know, once we start to kind of defer to mm-hmm. Islam and and grant credence or legitimacy to it in its in its worldview, that's when.
2: So it
0: goes
1: up to C five, C six. Well, what's
2: C five? So C five is getting pretty high. Kind of what encapsulates what you hear now as the insider movement, and so uh, it's complete high contextualization. And the goal is not to bring the person out of Islam; it's to allow them to remain in. Uh, they're Muslim context, They are still worshiping in the mosque. They are still praying. Uh, they are still doing, honoring Ramadan. They are still going through all of these things, um, but they are. They would say that they are Muslims that follow Isa, and mm. so um, they're thinking
0: of Jesus when they're doing it.
2: Yeah, but even with that, um, it gets real gray because oftentimes when you're in this uh, C five uh many adherents to c5 aren't even trinitarian in their view right Mm. so um they're just honoring uh christ as they would honor muhammad and in Mm. some ways if you challenge them uh, they might view still muhammad higher than christ Mm. and and uh and so Obviously, for, for me, I my conviction would be that that person is not a, a believer of Jesus Christ. They are not saved. They're not regenerate. And so. there's
0: one more step beyond that, too?
2: C6 is for— You're a Muslim. <laughs> you become a no, Muslim. No, C6 is actually—they use that for um, basically secret church. So that is someone who has converted to Christianity— but because they are living in a country or in a location that their life is immediately at risk, they stay secret about their faith. Yeah. And so um, the C6, uh, it's hard. I mean, it, it, it's difficult for me to uh, judge yeah, that right. um, I'm not in that situation. And tell
0: people they should die for their
2: you know, yeah, it's difficult, but yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you look at uh, first-century Christians, mm-hmm. and uh, many of them uh, still continued in in their public uh, profession like of Paul, Christ
0: after he was beaten, stoned, and shipwrecked. And
2: absolutely, his concern was still for the church, and still had a, a greater rea- yeah, still had a greater reality of God's grace being sufficient. But so. But for me, I, I, I don't know how I could uh, go about that. praise God, I've not been yeah. in that situation. Yeah But this is an important topic for those that are beginning to engage with the idea of how do I minister uh, and share the gospel to my Muslim neighbors? Mm. Um, you want to make sure that you are um, reading materials that are not supporting high contextualization. Um, learn their language. Um, learning a language is phenomenal and it does, it, it creates a tremendous bridge to the gospel. Um, but I, I wouldn't go super far down the road of trying to make yourself look Muslim. One, um, if you actually ask a Muslim, they would look at that and say, that's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> They think it would be disingenuous, and 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 later, if they found out that you were pretending to be Muslim to share the gospel with them, uh, they they would think that's it's weak and it's poor. Have a high, have a, a very high view of the Word of God. Uh, Muslims yeah. mm-hmm. have a high view of the Quran. It is and
0: different what the Word of God is.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So so be passionate about the Word of God and preach it with authority and they'll respect that more I feel like absolutely they will respect that a lot more yep.
1: Yeah.
0: that's interesting yeah and that might be hard for us in our, in, in, in our culture today in, in, in the west because we're so used to being very gentle yeah. particularly with the, the militant atheists and the militant yeah. secularists and we're trying to tiptoe around certain things and yeah. not offend not offend people and, right. and so now we're, we're kind of soft you know soft peddling things and with regards to that though maybe the, we should be more bold yeah. absolutely. and they would respect boldness yeah. Yep. in that regard yeah
1: they will they will respect it if you like you take your faith seriously if you're because like so many muslims want to talk to like an informed christian and then have a hard time finding one right like yeah. <laughs> so, i'm serious like they'll be like oh it's uh, like i've heard stories like there's this muslim guy who's like oh i had a taxi ride over with a gentleman who was a, a muslim this is not like in new york city this is like in a muslim country i forget which one but it, this particular chap was a a, a christian and a, an informed one an articulate one and, and the guy was like I'm, it's so nice to have a conversation with a Christian who actually believes the stuff. Yes, like yes. it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just like I, I would just encourage listeners out there. I think that the challenge to Christianity. Uh, in the future, uh, in the next couple of decades, is not going to be atheism. I yeah. said that earlier. I think it's going to it's be Islam. so
0: empty. It'll be supplanted by Islam, which has more substance. I, I as, yeah. as, as Apart from the gospel, supplanting those things. Right. Islam has more substance than the it empty does.
1: materialism of yep. atheists. So I, I think it it really bodes well for our future to be investing now in resources and time and and reflection on uh, it just islam in general um one of the things that was really so i had a a professor at one point who assigned us to read the quran this was at at westman Hmm. and and he was like it it, what was remarkable to me when when reading was how i almost hesitate to say this you don't want to like you know get too carried away with stuff like this but like there is like if you read it there is something spiritual going on when you read the Quran. And I don't mean that in a positive sense. Yeah. I don't mean that in a positive sense. I mean like there's dark, it is very, there's a, there's a pull to it that is very dark. So it's remarkable if you just read the Quran, like, and I don't, I don't necessarily know that I would recommend that to everybody, but if you're like mature in the faith and you have an interest in the subject, by all means, read it and familiarize yourself with Mm. it because there is a very, very, very large portion of the world that is coming to our next door in Bucks County. I mean, Philadelphia County is is has a booming Muslim population, and it's growing faster and faster. Um, to become more familiar with with Islam and equipping yourself with resources, by all means, if you are interested in the subject, please, please, please feel free to reach out. Um, you and know, email Dave, us, yeah. email us. Dave, I'm sure, could point us to some fantastic resources. Yeah. I can, you know, put some references together. Um, but, but please do reach out if this is a subject of interest for you and equip yourself for uh, some of these conversations, not in a combative way, but mm-hmm. just to, to be, you know, become educated about what Muslims believe generally uh, so that you're, you're well-equipped to kind of, you know, plant your feet firmly on the rock that is Christ and, mm-hmm. the, and Scripture uh, so that you're not going to be shaken when these winds of, of Islam start blowing next door.
0: Yeah. So uh, this has been an awesome discussion, guys, and our t- our time is 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 up though. But uh, Dave, I want to thank you very much for sharing uh, your experience and your knowledge uh, on the su- on the subject and as well, Dylan, uh, your own personal uh, wrestle uh, with with Islam. Sure. Um, and I hope that uh, you, our listeners, uh, were 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 edified. And, 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 uh, and gain something from this conversation. And, and of course, if you have any questions for any one of us, uh, please don't hesitate to email us at two guys in the podcast at gmail.com. That's the number two out in front there. And we're also on Facebook, Two Guys in the Bible. And you can find us on Twitter. And don't uh, forget to check out our website. And please, if uh, you find uh, our podcast helpful, uh, we definitely want uh, reviews uh, as much as we can get them. And and uh, so we can get the, the, the word out there uh, a little bit more and a little bit faster. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Take care. and God bless. God bless. Thank you.